1: So Bruce Arians has a new tattoo, and when the ink dries on the NFL draft, could they have a quarterback for the future? What are the Bucks' biggest needs heading into 2021? And the NFL adds a 17th game. We'll tell you where the Bucks play and against whom. And the Lightning lose their third straight game for the first time this season. They almost lost Victor Hedman. I'll let you know about that. The Final Four is set. We've got all that and more on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times along with producer Steve Versnick. And Steve, before we get started, um, this was not unexpected, but it's, it certainly is a gut punch. Some sad news. Uh, Ted Webb, who is a, an iconic um, radio broadcaster in, in Tampa Bay and somebody we both know very well, passed away, I guess, at uh, sometime on Tuesday. Uh, he had uh, made the decision... Um, to stop, I guess, some of his treatments, went into hospice.
0: Um, yeah, he stopped dialysis. His kidneys have been yeah. failing him. Uh, he's, among yeah. other things, diabetes and other things for years. Yeah, a little bit of he's dementia and different yep.
1: things. I heard him on the radio last Friday with uh, or Thursday uh, about a week ago with um, Ted we- or uh, Jack Harris, his former radio partner. Um, you'd probably know him better than I do, even. But I mean, I, I, all I can remember is this about Ted. Uh, you know, we we would see their show. We would see them after our show for the five years there at DAE because they finished up the same time we did, and it was like every day. Uh, you know, you'd have some some talk in the uh, in the parking lot. And Ted always had some joke every single day. He'd have to tell you some off color joke. Mm-hmm. But um, they were off color. yeah, they were very. What what I remember um, is when when I was just starting at the Tampa Bay Times, I'd probably been there for a few years, but I just sort of moved from one of the bureaus to St. Pete to cover the Gators. And um, Ted used to have one of the first TV shows I can remember that had sports writers on it um, was the old Sports Wrap with Ted Webb, um, and it was on I think it was on Channel Forty Four. I'm not sure exactly. What channel it was? We taped it at a studio off 50th Street, out there, um, you know, near where the uh, casino is now. But he, he, you know, he was such a pro at everything he did, and he was so smooth. Um, the guy could do TV, radio, you name it. And what he did best was make you look good w- whenever you were on air with him. And I had, I think, the first TV I did locally. Probably, probably even locally or nationally, uh, was on that show. It was on Sunday nights, and we kind of alternated uh, a writer with the Tampa Bay Times, usually one with the uh, the Tampa Tribune, uh, and Ted. And we would just, you know, kick it with a bunch of sports topics and whatnot. And he just made you feel so comfortable in, in what was otherwise, you know, it was live TV. It wasn't, it wasn't taped or anything. Um, and but was just so knowledgeable, and of course, what a character, what a life he led. I mean, you know, it was after every show. I don't know when he started doing it at FLA, but it would always end with him saying, "Live it up," and he lived it up. And you know, went to Jesuit Jefferson High School, all of that. I mean, he's a West Tampa guy through mm-hmm. and through. But man, what a uh, what a tremendous guy that that I don't know anyone that that could ever say anything except. How much fun that they had being in Ted Webb's company. I, I I've never known anyone to um, to not just have their best time with
0: him. He just who he was. He always had a whoopee cushion on him, and he <laughs> it, would use it, it to shock <laughs> and surprise people at the. You know, Jack Harris has, has a million different stories of you know they're in an elevator together with some bigwig and you know, <laughs> you know, and they look at him and. You know, Jack always knows it's coming and rolls his eyes. But it's, <laughs> you know, I think he, he actually told me he got a, he had like a patent on one that he did or something. I mean, you know, yeah, um, he was always trying to make sure everyone had a good time and, and had fun. Yeah, um, I have a couple story. I mean, you know, he's also he was he, he, when I moved here to to be the program director at WFLA. Mm-hmm. Whenever you move to a new station, and you know. Everybody on staff is is a little, you know, queasy is not the right word, but you're a little you're skeptical, yeah. a little scared, a little, you know. A little so, wary of the new guy. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, you come in and you know everyone's called people in the radio industry so small. You know, everyone's called people to ask about you and this. And, and so you get here and pretty much everyone's, you know, they're nice, but everyone's a little skittish. Ted, no. He's just Ted. <laughs> I mean, it was just, hey, you know. Immediately asks you when's your birthday, what time were you born. He starts reading off all your star symbols, and he knows you know everything about that, and is you know how your week's gonna go and month and this and you know. Um, He's just he's Ted. He was just Ted. He didn't he didn't sweat the little stuff like that. It was just you know everything's gonna be good. Ever live it up, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, We when I had to do a new contract with him, comes in my office i'm like okay ted i got your new contract here it's you know it's this many you know years at, at this money he goes, okay i'm like no, you should have a lawyer look at this no no that's fine just signs it you know he trusts me he was fine it was like mm-hmm. you know it's you know I'm, I'm happy to do the job the deal's fine i don't need to look at a thing on this i just sign it you know and every and you always encourage them you know hey have someone look at it make sure it's good and i you know I'm the type of person I wouldn't present a contract without telling you if there was something a little squirrely for you because it's about people, first of all. But but that's just the way Ted, Ted trusted me. He's like, yeah, you're fine. Go ahead. Um, and my other favorite memory of him, and this uh, got a lot of publicity. So this was, I want to say it was 2011. <clears throat> and uh, so Jack and Ted had uh, Ron Reagan Jr. come on the show and Ron Reagan had pretty much blasted his dad, um, has different political leanings than his dad, in particular his brother Michael as well, and Ted didn't like that, and it kind of got a heated debate. It it could be a little bit uncomfortable at times, but it, it got down to Ted threatening Ron Reagan Jr., I'll beat you up, and... Ron Reagan's going, come on up. Let's wow. go. And, you know. It was, <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, you know, it was, it was, you know, whatever. It's, it, You know, Ted's passionate, and he's getting into it with him. And finally, Ted, you know, you're an a-hole, except he said the actual word. Yeah. And, you know, it goes on, and then he gives him so an a-hole again. And, and you know, so the interview is six, seven minutes, whatever, and it ends. And so after the show, I said, hey, come to, come to my office when you're done. So he comes to my office, and it's the only time I've ever seen him a little skittish. Mm. and he you know he's he's like i'm in trouble and this and so i said so so, you know how'd you think that interview went he's like oh you know it was i got a little heated maybe a little more than i intended but you know it's it's okay and you could see he's you know he doesn't want to say anything because he thinks he's in trouble and i was like well i said in in the future ted i said only call him an a-hole once (laughs) i said when you do it twice now it sounds like you planned it out and you're just (laughs) piling on once <laughs> is like a, a gut reaction of like, I just got so mad I called you an a hole. Mm. I said when well, you do it twice, now it, it 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 lost its effect. And he's like, Oh man, I didn't think about that. Thank you, man. <laughs> he thought I was going to get upset and 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 you know what say right. don't do it again or whatever else. And it was just no, you you lost the impact because you did it twice. Just do it once. <laughs> yeah, and he funny. was great, and it was great, and you know, and we talked about something else or whatever else, and you know, but it's you know. Like, he was just, but he was. I loved. Well, first of all, he brought breakfast almost every morning too, so that was always great. And and every he did, day- and he brought omelets and and phenomenal mm-hmm. stuff uh, from around the corner there. Yep, a place on McDill. I can't remember the name of it that we went to every yeah. time. I'd say, hey, Ted, can, you know, can we sit down and talk after? The- Let's go to breakfast. And was always going to breakfast. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he loved to, to get breakfast. Uh, loves to. You see, so many stories I've I've seen, you know, from Facebook and Twitter and and people the amount of time he took for everyone. Mm-hmm. Like you could be the the newest part-timer at the radio station and he would sit there and help you out and give you advice and, and steer you in the right direction and critique you. And, and, and he had time for everybody. Um, that's, and he loved this city. I mean, you know, as you said, he's, he's a West Tampa guy, born and raised here. Yeah. Absolutely loves this city, this community, been on the radio for over 50 years, was on television did sports did talk did you know he's done it all so um, this one this one did hit hard I mean it hit last week when we you know he made the decision to go off dialysis and 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 that you knew it was coming but it didn't make it any easier
1: no it was tough and um, you know I don't I don't think people appreciate how hard it is you know to be able to he knew every everybody and everything about Tampa Bay sports I mean he lived it he was here when all of it happened and 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 you know from Culver House to Glazers to you know you know I mean every every owner he he knew those franchises inside and out but then to be able to transition from that to politics and do it seamlessly you know and and do a more I mean we all know what morning radio is like it's not easy and you're getting up very early and the funny thing about Ted was occasionally we'd go into WFLA with Jack and him and there'd be some sports story that they wanted us, you know, to stay for a segment or talk about before our show came on because they were actually on at 5 a.m. and we started at six. We go in there and Jack, if Jack was talking to you, you would look over and you see Ted and you're like, I think he's asleep. <laughs> like he, his head would be literally against mm-hmm. the microphone and he, his eyes would be closed and you're going, he's not hearing a word of this, like he's asleep. And then without fail, it'd come time for him. To, you know, there'd be a pause or something. And he'd just perk right up and pick up whatever the conversation was. And I think sometimes he did those off and he'd be like, you'd hear like, boom. <laughs> and the head would hit the mic, he'd wake up, and they say, it's going to rain today. You know, that was his sort of his thing, but um, but yeah, he's, he was a character. He uh, uh, was just gracious to everybody that ever met him, and um, there'll never be another one. I mean, he was he was so unique, and I think you're right. I think we're uh, even though we had some some warning it it just doesn't sit well and um you know feel for his family and all his friends and those that that were so close to him um but what a uh what a gracious guy to everybody that uh especially people in our business you know uh, other writers other 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 radio people just anyone um that do what we do he was he was someone we all looked up to so we're going to miss him but uh so you know, normally this would have been the NFL owners' meetings, and it was. They just did it virtually with uh, COVID and all that, and um, we would have had the uh, NFC, AFC coaches' breakfast. So we had a chance to talk to Bruce Arians today. Later today, we'll have Joel Glazer. Um, the only time that the owners' talk is just one time a year, and then I think I think Jason Light is scheduled for Thursday. Um, but we, you know, we haven't spoken with Arians since the Bucks were able to bring back all really 22 starters. Off that Super Bowl team, many of those free agents, that they were able to re-sign. And, of course, he had a lot of great things to say about Light and his front office staff and Mike Greenberg and such, um, as you would expect. But, you know, we got into a couple topics looking forward a little bit. And one of those, you know, Steve, is is just whether or not the Bucks are going to use this draft to try to attempt to to address their quarterback for the future i mean look tom brady's going to be 44 he is signed you know for another season after this one 2022 but clearly he could walk away at any time and and i think the way the contract is structured um for him to do so but you know at some point you're you're going to need a quarterback to replace him and the question is is this the year you you go and, and try to find that guy. Now, there's, there's a couple of problems with that, obviously. One is you're not picking till the 32nd pick in the draft. I mean, that's the good news because you won a Super Bowl. The bad news is most of the elite or all the elite quarterbacks should be gone by then. There could be the top four picks in the draft this year could all be quarterbacks. There could be as many as five, I think, in the first round. So even at 32, you may be fortunate uh, or quite possibly looking at a guy like Kyle Trask um, that I've seen anywhere from the end of the first round, second, third round, that sort of thing. And there are other quarterbacks, too, that would be really developmental guys, and that's fine. You know, the theory is you you put one of these young guys behind Brady for a year or two, how would they benefit from not having to play right away and learn all the, all the tricks of the trade, right, from the GOAT? Um, but the problem with it is that, you know, I've always said this, like, you can't, it's one thing to say, you know, you'd like you'd of course you'd like quarterbacks are always important, whether they're the first, the backup or number three, and their plan is to re sign Blaine Gabbard as their number two. So there's room on the roster for a young developmental guy. Um but but it's not just about drafting a quarterback. Are you gonna get the quarterback? In other words, is there a guy that you feel confident enough in that after a few years he's not only gonna be your starter, but he has a chance to go out and win a Super Bowl. I mean, this is what this is all about. So is he the quarterback? Is he the guy that you really, really like that much and have that has that much upside? And when you're trying to win another championship and you're trying to back up, you know, go back to back with the Super Bowls and every draft pick is precious, um, we saw last year, for example, you know, what the Bucks were able to do in the draft and how much that helped their football team. I mean, Tristan Wirfs, of course, they moved up and got him. Uh, you know, pretty early to mid-first round. Um, But even in the second round, you know, Antoine Winfield Jr., just an enormous contributor as a rookie. And um, you you can go right down the line. I know Keyshawn Vaughn didn't play as much uh, because he was a little bit behind with no training camp and that sort of thing. But even like Tyler Johnson, who made some huge plays in the playoffs, you remember the third down catch against the Saints, and, um, you know, we got the pass interference that ended the game at Green Bay. And, and, and so you think about the contributions with, they have needs, you know, sure. They have starters, they got 22 of them and, and, you know, there's depth and talking to Bruce, he's like, look, we can, we can truly go with the best player available this year. Um, But I don't think you can go with a quarterback at least early on, because I do think, you know, you've got some guys with some age, you do have some needs. And I, I, I'm not saying they won't get one somewhere in the draft, but I just think it's difficult right now to, you know, to say hey, if, you know, if if say it's Trask if he's there we're going to take him unless and I don't know the answer to this unless they really really love the guy that's staring at them at 32 and believe in all their heart that in a year or two he's going to be a winning, you know, the winning franchise guy that they can build around, but I I don't see it this
0: year. I I, I don't although, you know, look, let's say let's say there's no edge rusher Mm-hmm. that you know that grades out anywhere near number 32 pick for sure. them and mm-hmm. you know maybe no run maybe the running backs are gone maybe Najee Harris is gone and right and, and that Travis Etienne's yeah. gone um mm-hmm. maybe there's not an offensive lineman that's worth taking it. Th- i mean you know it, it all depends on where you have guys sl- i mean the key to drafting is it's the best player available generally at a position of need right but you don't want to reach for picks right you know that's when you get into trouble when you're like, well, we have a quarterback we've rated twentieth, but we don't we don't need a quarterback, and we have mm-hmm. you know a wide receiver rated 19. We don't need that, so we're going to take an edge rusher that we have rated 56th. Well, you can't do that at 32. I mean, right? You know, so I think quarterbacks on the table. I don't see them taking one in that pick. Yeah, but the other part is if if teams think you might take with that pick. Or could be interested in Kyle Trask or whoever. It may mm-hmm. it may allow you to trade down. Sure, you know that that first that, a quarterback in the first round or a lot of players in the first round. You know the other advantage of that is you get that fifth year option. That's right on the contract. So that that thirty second pick can be very valuable to someone who's picking early in the second round. Yep, that really wants a player and wants that fifth year option, particularly if it's somebody you want to groom or whatever else maybe mm-hmm. a quarterback that you'd like to have in a control for 5 years not 4 if it's if they're right there at that borderline end of first early second round grade yep so it, it also allows you trade value if people think you might take a quarterback you know um and I don't I haven't seen the second round who's picking high I mean a lot of those teams are going to take picks or quarterbacks early it seems like but I don't know about mm-hmm. you know what picks have traded hands or I haven't looked at that but right you know the other part of this is don't rule out anything publicly at least because it, it can exactly. increase your, you know, you get some more picks or maybe another player back. I mean, you know, maybe, you know, instead of a draft pick, maybe you're getting a player back for that pick. I mean, who knows? Somebody that you could use.
1: There's no question that you want teams to believe in all their in all their hearts, whether you do or not, that, you know, that you would take a quarterback at 32 um, and you're not beholding to any position and you're going with the best player. And if that's, Kyle Trask or somebody like him, that you would do it. And and it, it, it's a great point about the fifth-year option, and that's that's true of every position. Whoever that player is, mm-hmm. you want the opportunity to give that extra year. That has real value and trade value on top of it. And, you know, you don't I, – I tend to think that, you know, most people, most teams – look at trades and they wind up making the pick because there's usually two or three or four players there that they're really happy with. And they, they take the best one. Um, But having said that, if you're not moving down too far uh, and I think you're right, I think a lot of teams, you know, there'll be somebody that feels like they got shut out of that quarterback market that really, really wanted one. um, And they may move up in that spot. And, you know you got the whole second night or you know the whole day and into the night the next day to to try to look at the board and um if you're not moving down too far pick up some extra draft picks i don't think to be honest i think you know the bucks are in such a position with their personnel that you know you always want to get guys you can develop and 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 you know be be you know future core players for your team but i I also think that they'd like to have some guys that can help them now or help them by November or December mm-hmm. much like a lot of those young players did this past year because again, you know if Tom Brady's not your quarterback, if you just didn't return all all the starters or if you weren't going to try to go back to back with Super Bowls here, it might be a little bit of a different approach, but um you know they're not buying green bananas you have a sixty nine year old coach and a forty four year old quarterback so you'd like to get the best player that that can help you at any position, and maybe maybe that is a running back, you know. Um, you know, even though they have – and this is the other thing I, I talked to Bruce Arians about, and he, he agreed with me. You know, even though they got Ronald Jones, who was their, their starter for most, most of all of last year until he got COVID and then he got hurt in the Washington game or couldn't play in the Washington game, and then Lenny – playoff Lenny took over. Fournette and him are both back, but they're both in the final years of their contract. Fournette did a one-year deal – Ronald Jones is in the end of his rookie contract. He was a second-round pick, so he doesn't have a fifth-year option. So really, you've got two running backs that aren't going to be here beyond this year, potentially. And if Travis Etienne or, you know, um, somebody really good is there, you you may decide to go that route. So you're really not, you, you know, even though you have a lot of receivers or even though you have a lot of running backs or you have a lot of tight ends, if that's the best player, you have the luxury this year of of saying we're going to do that because we have our starters and we're, we don't have to rush somebody in the lineup. So I think it's going to be intriguing. I I know that they've looked at Trask. Um, they've looked at all the quarterbacks, and I think they like him. I don't know if they like him first round or second or maybe late second. I, I just don't know. Now, it's a different conversation if he's there at 64, you know, um, because now maybe he's the best player available, so we'll have to see. I, I again, you always want to address the quarterback position when you can, if you if it, if it presents itself, and if you're talking about 32s, one of the guys who went 32 and I think overall I have to check this. I think it was Drew Brees coming out of Purdue. I mean, you know, you, you can find guys. Of course, we know Brady's the sixth round guy. He's the outlier. I don't. I don't want to pretend that. You are going to find somebody in the fifth or
0: sixth oh, right. round. Dak that's Prescott good. was what third or fourth round? Fourth round. Russell Wilson, was a, Russell Wilson round.
1: was a third rounder. So there are those guys that you know. Seemingly every other year, um, somebody makes a a huge, you know, a, a huge get on that, that turns into a real solid starter and potentially a Super Bowl quarterback. So, hey, if you find that diamond in the rough, then more power to you. I, I just don't. I don't know that they go into it this year. You know. If they win again, they'll be 32nd again. But if they have a lesser year, they'd be higher in the draft. Who knows what they do at that point. But you can see with the trade that the 49ers made and, and the positioning for trades that are still to come, that quarterback position is, is one that you never can really ignore. But it was interesting talking to him, uh, not just about the draft. He said some other things, too, you know, with respect to uh, um, his football team coming back with all these starters. And he was asked, you know, sort of, what's your plan? I mean, all these guys, you know, could be – not not that they're going to be complacent. He thinks they came back because they love the culture. Um, they love the football team. They have something special in, in the relationships with each other and all of that. And uh, he was kind of asked, like, how are you going to prevent them from, you know, from, from being a little complacent? he says, there's no way because I'm going to beat the crap out of them in training camp. And And it's not – And he's not kidding. Like, his training camps are notoriously tough. And it's even tougher when you're in Florida and it's, you know, 110 degrees or feels like temperature and humidity uh, in August. But I I think that, you know, he's got older guys. And and what the older guys know is that if they can survive training camp, and and he gives them days off when they need them, especially the veteran players, um, he'll make sure – that they make it to Sunday. He really does take care of them, um, but they get they go up-tempo. They get a lot of work in, a lot of reps. They had a condensed training camp last year. They're hoping for uh, not just training camp but a full uh, preseason. It's going to be with three games. So that was the big news on Tuesday. The NFL owners officially voting and, and agreeing to add a 17th game to the season this year, and – and they'll have 3 preseason games which you know they're just going to do away with that fourth week they're going to be sort of an open week when they make their final cuts. Let's just go
0: to 18 and 2 preseason games. Let's just get it over with.
1: I, I think I think they're headed that way for sure. Of course. Um they just got to pull the band-aid off and, and negotiate and see how much the players want from that pie, but uh, and how much TV more TV be <laughs> Exactly right. The TV contracts will be geared that way. Um I Look, I don't think that, you know, one more game is necessarily going to – you know, it could shorten careers. They're, they're short enough already. Um, but it's kind of like, to me, it's like Thursday night games. You know, the players, they don't particularly like it. But if you really talk to them, they, they do like it because it means it's – even though you're not completely healed up, it's a week where you don't practice. You, you do walkthroughs, You go play the game. And then you get sort of a mini-buy on the end of it with 10 days before your next game. Um, to me, one less preseason game. The preseason it used to be six games. If you can believe that, I think three is enough. And and for the fans, especially who used to pay full price for all those preseason games, um, doesn't make sense that you're you're paying anything close to full price for a glorified exhibition when the starters really don't play that much except the third game. So I I think this is going to be okay the the difficult thing is because now you have an odd number of games at least for this season they're not adding an extra bye week so it's going to be a it's going to be a grind it's going to be a long haul um depending on when your bye week was last year i think the bucks were after week 11 or something like that and so you week know they, 12, they the were latest. 7 and 5 yeah they were 7 and 5 That's right week 12 so week they, 13, they had the actually, l- yeah. latest one yeah yeah and and that was there was positives and negatives of that i mean they were on fumes but they got got to recharge for the stretch run and the schedule was easier and they, they really turned it on after that bye week. Um, so the way they're going to do this is to make it fair so that you know a certain division doesn't get screwed basically um, or a team in a division. They're just going to flip it from AFC to NFC. So in, in 2021, the AFC will be the host team and the NFC will be on the road. And the next year they'll flip that. Um, so the entire conference goes to... The AFC uh, and it's it's similar to the scheduling that they do already, but it's basically, in this case, you know the number one team in the AFC South is playing, or the number two team, I'm sorry, in the AFC South is playing the number two team in the NFC South, and that means that Tampa Bay will be at Indianapolis against the Colts. And if you think Colts fan is happy to see Tom Brady walk back in there after all these years, that's going to be fun. That's going to be a lot of fun. They got rid of him when he went to the NFC. (laughs) Oh, my – exactly. And who knows when the game will be, right? It could be late in the year when it means something to both Mm -hmm. teams. It it could be one of the first games. Who's to say? But uh, it's going to be really fun. I mean, so Tom Brady next year will be not only going into Indianapolis but also headed back to Foxborough and Gillette Stadium. So he's going to take the old revenge tour, um, which he doesn't mind doing. But uh, I – I think it's going to be great. I, I mean, having nine road games is problematic, but the whole, like I said, the whole conference has to do it this year and the next year they'll have nine home games. Um, there's other things that happen that we can get into later in the week about international games. I think every team has to agree to play an international game
0: every eight years or at least it's one home, every eight years. The home years. team in it of a – it's, you have to yeah. give up a home game for an international you game. you got to give up a home game for an international so it, game. That doesn't correct. mean you're only once every eight years playing in the game. It's just you no that's right. a home game once every eight years.
1: That's right. You could play sooner. And, in fact, the NFL is known for sending you know some of their marquee teams in, in New England. When Tom Brady was with the Patriots, went over there quite a bit. You, you, we will find out when the schedules come out, usually by the end of April, just sort of what the Bucs schedule will look like, how many national TV games – um i think the plan is still to to play some international games um we'll see where covid and all that leads us but um yeah it was it was it's been you know it's been an interesting 12 months you know the owners have negotiated tv deals we have the the lower salary cap this year and a lot of hurdles they've had to jump through but um uh, but the 17 game is uh was going to come and i'm I'm with
0: you i think they'll have 18 well here's the one thing that 18 order. does that means your super bowl is pushed back two weeks from where it is now yep which means it's president's day weekend which means the monday after the super bowl is a holiday which is what everyone keeps asking for anyway we love that yeah so just build in the natural holiday and put your super bowl then go to 18 games and everyone's happy
1: yeah well it it, it would uh probably eliminate some cold weather Super Bowls, but now that they got LA, they're probably gonna have a bunch of them there anyway. The but. other
0: part of this is is, you know, you're gonna have more January games now. Mm-hmm. It, regular season games, not just playoffs. That's right. In New England. That's right. New York, Green Bay, Chicago, mm. Cleveland, mm. Pittsburgh. You're going to you – know, you're going, now going a week later in the – because they're not going to start on Labor Day week. And they're not moving the season up. They're still going to no. start the weekend after Labor Day mm-hmm. or the Thursday after Labor Day, I should say. Yeah. So you're going, to, you're going to see some more cold weather games, which could impact teams like Tampa Bay and Miami and Jacksonville, teams that don't play in cold weather very often. You may have a shot of getting more cold weather games because you've got an extra week of games now, and not just playoff games but regular season
1: season and just for example i remember last year you know they actually had a fairly balmy day they were fortunate when they went to green bay a year ago for the nfc championship game i think it was you know just above freezing or or thereabouts that they they had about four or five inches of snow the night before the game but none really during the game a week later one week later to the day it was a disaster up there it was bitter cold single digits and a lot of snow uh, and it snowed the whole weekend. So, um, yeah, as you get deeper into the winter, whether it's postseason or regular season, you know, it is going to bring that element into it. And especially if you're a warm weather team like the Bucks, but maybe um, you know somebody's got to go up there, and maybe you'll have some some games down this way where it's nice all the time. But um, I'm, I'm I, I, one of my favorite days of the year is when the schedule comes out late in April because you can sit there. In addition to saying, you know, as Gruden would say win you know i'll tell you what man win 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 i got 17 and oh um you you also get to see where you're going to go and how those games set up and 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 sort of figure out where the bye week is and all of that so but we do know uh it's not insignificant opponent you know the colts were very very good and they got a new quarterback in carson wentz uh that i think is going to have a bounce back you know sort of year with frank reich and 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 you know, in a, in a very good Colts team, so that'll be interesting to see as well. Okay, you were at the Tampa Bay Lightning game; they lose their third straight. Um, I'm watching this game, and I, I thought they played okay. You know, they got down 2-0, got a goal in the third. Um, Elvis Merzlikens was, I thought, really, really good. I think he faced 39 shots. Um, what do you What do you make of them now losing three in a row? Is that
0: a big deal or no deal? I don't think it's a big deal. I think they played better tonight than they did the last two. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, which wrapped up what eight games in thirteen days, right? Um, you know, they played better. I mean, as, as Brian Engblom said in the post game, if this was basketball, the Lightning, you know, would have run Columbus out of the gym. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's a goalie in this sport, and sometimes yeah. those goalies stop your shots. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, look, the Lightning are still without their. Best two defensive defensemen in Cherneck and McDonough. Yeah. Which is your top pair. Which, you know, let's take the positives the Lightning did tonight. One, they they got lots of shots. Uh they didn't take many penalties, which had been a problem. I mean That's they're right. they're almost I think they're second in, in time shorthanded this season. It's a stat mm-hmm. Dave Michigan talks about all the time. Um, you know, they didn't take many penalties. Uh, you know, so they they did some good things. Um, most importantly, Victor Hedman didn't get lost for the season. Oh my goodness! Um, if you saw, he went down Whew. in the second period, and you could have heard a pin drop in Amelie Arena. Not that there's a ton of people there now, but uh, and uh, and Twitter and everything else. And five minutes later, he's back on the bench. <laughs> I mean, how many times do you see a guy that takes that? And it looked it looked bad because
1: he, in addition mm-hmm. to hitting the wall, he his, his knee or his leg got twisted in a bunch mm-hmm. of different positions. And he put zero weight on, yep. on that right leg when he was skated off. And when you see that, typically you say, he's out for a while. Mm-hmm. You know, you hope it's not season ending. I I saw the injury on replay and thought for a minute, because then I saw him on the ice, and I thought, oh, that must have been a different game. It's like, no, this happened today. Like, he, he's out there now. Like, how did he come back
0: from it? Phil... Phil Esposito mentioned, he goes, you know, and looking at it, he wondered if it wasn't just, you know, it, he went into the boards, it twisted his leg, it, mm-hmm. and sometimes you just kind of hit a nerve and it goes numb. Mm. And, and, you know, so you can't really put weight on it. You just, you know, and it almost scares you more than anything. It, it, it's, right. You know, you're not really hurt that bad. It's just one of those temporary you know, I don't know if that's what happened, and, and, and John Cooper didn't have an update afterwards. I mean, obviously he played the rest of the game. Now, Jan Ruda left the game and did not come back, which was, yeah. was bizarre because. So I, you know, I'm up in the booth there, and, and Hedman goes out, and then I, I'm starting to count players after that, and there's twelve on the bench mm-hmm. instead of thirteen as normal. And I'm like, okay, well, Hedman's wait, no, Hedman's there. Wait, what? Well, then who's missing? And you're sitting there going, what? Oh, and then you figure out Jan Ruda was missing. And he left. He ended up with a lower body injury, did not return. So McDonough's close to coming back. He practiced on Tuesday, did not play. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe he comes back Thursday. Chernak's close, Cooper said, but he did not practice. Said he's a little behind McDonough, but close. Mm -hmm. So the question is if, if Ruda's out Thursday and if McDonough's not ready to come back yet, assuming Chernak isn't. They don't have. They only have five defensemen right now up here.
1: Wow. So who
0: would they have to call up in an emergency situation if if that if if, if Ron Janrud is going to miss time or if McDonough is not ready to come back? Yeah,
1: well you don't you don't want to get low at that position, but um, it's good. The good news is they're they're expected to be back here at some point, point. Mm-hmm. and they've got two games coming up uh, this weekend. Saturday and Sunday yep. games
0: are at one o'clock. No, so Columbus is uh, Thursday at seven. They have Detroit this weekend, one o'clock Saturday, noon on Sunday, on Easter Sunday, Sunday. noon on Easter Sunday, Easter Sunday. Wow, yes, that's going to be something. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. Uh, we'll wrap up on this.
1: The final four is set, and one of the final four was the first four, the last ones to get in, UCLA, last time that happened. VCU uh, was Shaka Smart, and it's going to be Gonzaga uh, and then uh, Baylor and Houston. So Gonzaga will play, UCLA, Baylor and Houston will play. Look, I, I've watched Gonzaga. I don't think there's any team that can beat them. If there is one, it might be Baylor. Um I I don't think UCLA or Houston can 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 go the distance. And for Gonzaga, this could be an undefeated season, which we have not seen in quite some time. 1976, the Indiana Hoosiers mm-hmm. with Bobby Knight. That's really something. They were talking to you know Kenny and uh and uh, Turavel. we were talking to Charles Barkley and they were asking how dominant is this Gonzaga team not only because of their record but just, you know, the way they look, the way they play. Both sides of the court, defensively, offensively, they share the ball. They do everything right, and they made some interesting comparisons. One of them, and I remember this team, was the UNLV team uh, with Larry Johnson, Stacy
0: Augman and yeah, the the, I mean that roster was loaded. Anthony and yeah, uh, Lamar Hunt and um, who's the big guy? Oh, I can picture him, but I can't think of his name. But yeah, those teams were loaded mm-hmm so i and, mean and yet
1: they got beat they lost yeah they lost they, they definitely lost in the in the final four yeah. um but you know that's that's sort of the it wasn't lamar the, hunt it's
0: alexander hunt by the way lamar hunt alexander the... hunt. lamar hunt owned the Kansas City chiefs <laughs> yes.
1: which i got a story about that too so one time just a segue here since you mentioned lamar hunt one time we uh you know you would catch john gruden once in a while and he, and he was so consumed with what was happening and and really couldn't focus all that well after practice at times. And so Lamar Hunt had died and we kind of hit him with it after practice. I don't think he was really prepared and could really focus the way he needed to right away. We go, uh, so, uh, and I didn't ask the question. He was like, coach, uh, uh, Lamar Hunt passed away. You know, what can you say about, you know, a guy that owned the chiefs and, you know, the AFC and all that. And he goes, yeah, Lamar Hunt, man, he was, uh, he was something, wasn't he? <laughs> I swear he didn't know if he was talking about the UNLV center or not. I'm I'm pretty sure. So uh but yeah, that UNLV team uh was great. And there's others, right? I mean, you know, North Carolina with James Worthy and Michael Jordan and and you know, there's been some some intimidating teams through the years, but Mark Few, man, he he's got it going uh this year especially. And uh I think they're going to go wire to wire. I mean, I just I when you watch them play, I don't see a team that's uh like I said, Baylor very athletic, shot block, uh, run the floor, all of that. Um, maybe they hang in there with them, but uh, I just don't think they're going to lose.
0: Yeah, I mean they're the favorites. I mean, I think Houston and UCLA, if they can muck it up enough and, and mm-hmm. catch Gonzaga on a really bad shooting night, and True. they've got they've got to be having a good shooting night. I mean, I I think there there is a way. I mean, Houston and UCLA can play good enough defense, right? that if you can shoot well and catch them on an off night and force them into some of it because you play good defense there's mm-hmm. a shot there i mean i i think those two teams have maybe a better shot particularly UCLA than the lower most lower seeded teams i mean there were 11 seed that made it um, Right. you know but I, I i think Gonzaga wins this. i mean i think they yeah. blow UCLA out i think Baylor beats Houston in a tough game And then Gonzaga beats Baylor probably by, you know, 12, 13 points. Yeah.
1: Well, it'll be interesting. Uh, So we got our final four is set. And, uh, of course, on Thursday, the Rays open their 2021 season. Tomorrow, that's right, uh, at Marlins Park in Miami. We're going to have a chance to talk to Mark Topkin at the Tampa Bay Times and preview the Rays, not just the opener, but for the entire season. Of course, uh, a revamped pitching staff after the – the deals that they made in the offseason. and and uh, I'll tell you what, maybe the best lineup that they've had, and some big expectations for the offense that hasn't existed for some time. So we'll talk to him, and then also uh, later today, like I said, uh, Bucks owner Joel Glazer with his once-a-year state of the Bucks, and and I got to give it to Joel. I'm almost i almost feel bad because we would we would meet him one-on-one at the owners' meetings, and typically he would meet with myself and maybe two or three other beat writers separately and was the only time that we could kind of get these one-on-ones we have to do it by zoom this time as a group but um geez all those years it was hey joel new coach buddy uh you know tough season (laughs) what do you think fill in the coaches blank will do this year or hey uh how many seasons can you go with jason light as gm who hasn't been to a postseason game you know or hey what about jameis do you really think he's the the franchise quarter Well, this year they can take their victory lap, and of course they got to do it by Zoom. Um, but what a, what a year he has a chance to talk about. Uh, you know, Tom Brady winning the Super Bowl, two Super Bowl titles now. One of I think nine teams to have multiple Lombardi trophies, and going for back to back. So that'll be something to look forward to on tomorrow's podcast. And then Jason Light also speaking later this week on Thursday. So we'll have all of that. Along with Mark Topkin uh, to get you ready for Ray's opening day at Miami. So, hope you enjoyed the podcast. For Steve Burstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody.
0: Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ